Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner... White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve discussing White Sox split. Steve, you've been reactivated from a five day IL. It is good to have you back, my friend. Hey, yo, Johnny. Just want to start off by saying the rumors of my demise were greatly exaggerated. Despite my best efforts, I have returned from the Lone Star State. All right, it's great to have you back, Steve. I'm sure we'll get we'll get some of the debauchery uh, that went down uh, when the White Sox were in Texas. But today uh, on the docket, we got a White Sox doubleheader split. Um, we've got Tim Anderson's injury, a whole lot of stuff to talk about. But let's just go initial thoughts from the day. I'm feeling as a White Sox fan after all that transpired uh, on this Tuesday. Very mixed bag of emotions, obviously before the first game even started today, kind of getting some of the news circulating about the injury with TA, um, the severity of it, you know, kind of hitting people pretty hard here and just realizing that four to six weeks without him, despite the fact that he has not been playing well since he came back from his initial IL stint, it's still a tall order for this team that they've just had to try to overcome so much this year in the way of injuries and underperforms. And now you add another layer onto this during the most vital stretch of the season. So you had that leading into the game um, this afternoon. And, you know, that first game was just a lot of what we've seen throughout the course of this season. And fortunately, they were able to rebound in, in game two to get the split, which hate to say it, but I feel like that's what most of us were expecting uh, coming into today here. If you just went in there and, and got the split, I think. 90% of Sox fans, that's what we were anticipating. Right, yeah, I was definitely anticipating it because we're now up. Uh, we've got the counter going. I know Sean Roberts, our guy, started it here a couple um, series ago, but we're now up to 23 series opening losses on the year, Steve, and that accounts for a large chunk of your overall losses, and I haven't done the math on what they've actually won uh, on those. Don't know exactly the breakdown in series when you go back and look at it. However, uh, it is a half Hashtag set the tone problem. That does not hashtag set the tone. And that is hashtag confirmed. I don't know what it is. I, I can't for the life of me understand how this team just can't get off on the right foot when they are beginning a series. We see them lose games a number of different ways. We see them do it with poor execution defensively, bad pitching, no timely hitting. So it's not like it's just been one root cause of, of the issues. But much like the entirety of the season, a multitude of different issues that just rear their ugly head anytime a new opponent comes in. 
Yeah, right. And as we're talking about a split here, obviously it's a double header. So they were, like you'd mentioned, able to salvage game two of this one. But man, the lack of offense here, you, even in that, you know, game one, you lose four to two. Game two, you, you win it three to two. A, you don't feel that great because the end was a little shaky. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit there. But man, uh, the bats, obviously outside of that kind of outlier, uh, feels like that Sunday was in Texas. Um, bats have been dormant since they left the south side of Chicago. This is just who they are at this point. This is not a good offensive club for a variety of different reasons that we've talked about all year. They don't work pitches. They don't take walks. They don't hit the ball in the air. They don't hit the ball out of the ballpark. They're a singles factory. Um, It's just not a good offense, all things considered. And it was on full display there tonight in both games actually yeah it is i mean it's sad just because when you go and write out the lineup on paper all these we, we, we've talked ad nauseum right about about the underperformance of so many guys and obviously now you've got a guy in tim anderson i know he wouldn't have been able to play in game one but still uh he's on the shelf so there's not even a chance for a uh kind of resurrection there uh late season to get him going like you'd mentioned out of that funk uh from when he initially returned from the injured list and then uh you got the major underperformance from guys like Yasmani Grandal uh luckily Eloy's hitting right now but even Abreu wasn't Augusting uh as our guy Sox insane uh put in game two there when he needed to step up there's a clutch situation in game one too in which he could have really stepped up uh, and given the White Sox a chance there but man it's just sad to see at this point because Steve it's like we're all kind of looking for a uh you know i guess jumpstart a, a spark something of some sort and it just feels like it's never going to come and it's kind of depressing to say here even after a win in game two it really is and just considering the fact that we've got 52 games left in this season here so time is really of the essence uh you go back you know two weeks ago when we talked about this stretch of games against sub 500 teams and they are not taking advantage of this unfortunately um you just keep hoping that you know today is going to be the day that all of a sudden it's going to click and they're going to go on a run where they win 13 out of 20 because most teams do that over the course of 162 game season if you get to the playoffs you have that stretch where you win 13 or 14 out of 20 but this team just Nothing inspires confidence that they will be able to put together one of those stretches because of the calamity of different issues that we just see on a night in and night out basis. Yeah, right. Uh, That's a good way to describe it there. So, um, all right, we'll we'll dive into these topics a little bit. Uh, Game one, game two, breakdown in Tim Anderson's injury. But before we do that in depth here, make sure listeners are subscribed on TAP Sportsnet on YouTube. Go jump in the comment section here and we can feature them here. Uh, live during the show. Um, if you follow us on social media at Sox on Tap at on Tap Sportsnet and on Tap Sportsnet.com is your place to go for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. All right, Steve, let's start it off from the top. Game one today, and uh, it was Lance Linday on the mound. Uh, long ball hurts him in this one. Um, you know, it wasn't a terrible outing. We've seen much, much worse when Lance gets really spotted up. However, uh, the big hits uh, were you know, ultimately ended up being the detriment for him and the offense was not able to pick him up. I'll go back and harp on that once again. Yeah. The, you almost had to kind of wonder if the news about Tim's injury just kind of deflated this team going out there because you look at the plate approach and I'll use that term very loosely uh, there, especially in game one, that first two innings there, um, they saw 16 pitches total in in those first two innings. And I literally, I was, half serious when I tweeted, I thought they were going to get Maddoxed just because they were going out there and they were just swinging 
just to swing. Luis Robert, his first two at-bats, swung at two pitches, hit two ground balls. This is just, it's so irritating to watch this team. I mean, it, it took until, um, what was it, the fourth or fifth inning of game two for this team to get a walk. That was the first walk they'd had since like the third inning on Sunday. They just refused to go up there and see any kind of pitches and get themselves into any quality hitters counts. Um, Josh Harrison obviously was able to help get the team on the board and give them an early lead in game one, hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And it kind of tells you a lot about the state of this team that in the last 50 games, the only guys that have hit at least five home runs are Josh Harrison and Luis Robert. Yeah, that's an insane stat there. Um, You don't want to talk about another one here. It's not like the White Sox didn't have their chances. I know it was fairly sparse offensive day, fairly sparse offensive season. However, uh, it's not for a lack of uh, having some opportunities. And they just are not using, making, letting me use my favorite word, Steve, and that's opportunistic. Uh, Our guy Peabodes asked, how many to leave stranded in game one? That was seven. The answer there is seven uh, in this one. I can go and point to a few specific instances, uh, and that's specifically in the top of the sixth. They get a first, third situation. Uh, once again, August Abreu, not Augusting there. Uh, he leaves him stranded on there, kind of a little weak line out uh, to the second baseman. And then in the top of the eighth, you get first and second with one out. Uh, Robert does put a decent charge into it, lines out to center. Uh, and then Eloy just looks foolish. Uh, granted, Shadows might have been playing a little bit there, but that ain't no excuse. Uh, you got a job done there, especially when you're trailing in a game. So um, more of the same shit from White Sox offense here, Steve. Yeah, and you talk about the lack of being opportunistic that opportunity that was wasted in the top half of the sixth inning. What happens then immediately in the bottom half? Nick Prado goes out there, hits the two-run homer, Oppo, to give the Royals a 4-1 lead and basically put that game away. We've seen that so many times this year. It's a kick in the dick. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. They go out there. They have an opportunity to at least tie the game, if not take the lead with a big clutch hit. They don't do it and then – immediately the opposition is able to go and tack on additional runs. It's just, it, fe- it feels bad. Like you, I guess I just described it there as kicking. Like, like you feel that pain, like as a fan, like I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they, you know, Jose Abreu's disappointed. He didn't get the job done. He feels like he lets his teammates down. Okay. But we, we we're running out of time here. Like the, you know, there, there's no more. Oh, it's still early. It's no, 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 it's not. There's 52 games left. Yeah. I, I, they, they, I will say that there was uh, some contentious things on the broadcast that made me want to mute it for a while today uh, in the first game, especially. However, one thing that I did hear was that it's a long sprint here to the end. I think that was a good way to sum it up uh, by Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. Uh, and that's what you're in here. So, um, you know, you really got to you know kick it into high gear. But anyway, uh, we can wrap up game one because unfortunately, White Sox not able to take advantage of any of their opportunities in this one. It was a 4-2 final. So uh, we move on to game two and it was Davis Martin getting the call, uh, getting the ball in that game. And dude, this guy shoved. Uh, it, it was... You know, he's not a everyday uh, rotation type yet. However, when he's been called upon for the spot starts where he made his MLB debut here, um, he comes back and he puts the White Sox in a position to win, Steve. Davis Martin is really kind of showing himself to be a viable starting pitching option for this team going forward. Um, whether that's later on in this season when Michael Kopech inevitably gets shut down due to his innings limitations or even going into next year. Um, he's going out there and, you know, he was pumping 96, 97 
today. And we haven't seen a lot of that from him, uh, but he was doing that with pretty good regularity today. The stuff looked pretty crisp for the most part, um, aside from the home run he gave up to uh, Vinny Pasquatino, who uh, was just, you know, all over uh, Sox pitching here today. But um, aside from that, you hear, you have to be really impressed with what we have seen from Davis Martin to this point here um, in his brief cup of coffee with this team here in 2022. I, I concur. Let's talk, talk about the line here. Five and two thirds, three hits, one earned run. It was that home run that you mentioned, uh, one walk and three strikeouts. Um, it is very refreshing when you, when you can have this guy come up and take the ball and feel like you're, like I said, in a position to win. That's the biggest thing because I feel like in years past, some of these options have just kind of been get me over, right? It's get me through uh, this scenario and the White Sox rude, you know, kind of doomed from the start. It felt like that's not the case when David Davis Martin takes the ball. All right. Speaking of uh, rookie players here, how about Lenin Sosa? Big congrats. Shout out for uh, his first career home run. Steve, the bitches love Sosa. That is hashtag confirmed. Um, I, I'm a long time Lenin Sosa guy. So let's just get that out there right now for public consumption. Um, he swung the bat outstanding tonight. You know, he had obviously a, a base hit in his second at bat, was robbed of, of another base hit by a sliding play um, in right field later on in the game. Just the bats looked outstanding here tonight. He looked like a guy that was poised in the batter's box, put himself in position to be dangerous in the batter's box. And I mean, that ball that he hit in the third inning, I mean, that thing was just fucking nuked. Um, you know, they got to be on lookout in barbecue city right there. You know, some, some, you know, some cow or, or, or some cattle out there could have gotten seriously injured by that. Yeah. And you know what is nice, Steve, is because I feel like there were a couple of instances today in which a Royals pitcher missed with their spot. Right. And the White Sox very, it seems like infrequently this year, make an opposing pitcher pay. Lenin Sosa, maybe it's because he was been away. Obviously, most of the year he had his brief cup of coffee, and this is the second call up here, just like, what, three games in? Maybe it's because he's been away from all that negative energy and whatever. He was able to be the outlier in this, but it was so nice to see a White Sox pitcher take advantage uh, of an opponent's mistake. You're absolutely right. I mean, that was an absolute spinner up there, and that's the type of pitch that you make that mistake at the major league level that should get hammered. So to see Sosa go out there and jump on that pitch, put an aggressive swing on it, and he got every fucking inch of that thing, and it was great to see. Yeah, you absolutely do. I uh, love to see it. So that, that was how the White Sox opened the scoring in that game, too. Uh, we had another. We did, we did your favorite, Steve, the multi-home run strategy because it hey was yo. deployed. Hey, yo, <laughs> six inning. Solo shot out to right center field, Yoan Mankata. Very nice to see him lace one after having a few hard hit balls earlier in the day. Uh, it, it is just a very nice visual to watch it go out. And obviously at the time gives the White Sox a 2-1 lead, the go-ahead run here. Yeah, definitely nice to see Mankata finally um, put one over the seats again here. You know, when he's able to connect, I mean, that swing is so visually appealing. We just haven't seen enough of it. And he has been in the midst of a stretch where he's taken a lot of called third strikes again and obviously drawing a lot of the ire of the fan base on twatter.com. So to see him put some good swings out there tonight and go put one over the wall there, 
in a big spot to give this team the lead when they needed it. Um, hopefully he can start to build some positive momentum here because obviously with Timmy being on the shelf for the foreseeable future, somebody, somebody has to step up here right now because, it, again, it can't just be all Aloy, Jose Abreu, and Luis Roberts. Somebody else has to find a way to start making contribution. Right, and that's something that I think that we talked about when we, when we uh, kind of convened for the All-Star break and did our special here. And sure, we, we identified Yasmani Grandal as next factor, but I believe Yohan Mancada was also a name mentioned in that mix as well. So good to see him get going. And Steve, I will say, I understand, and their rightful ire was drawn uh, by him over the weekend for his performances showing in Texas. However, I feel like in the past, these stretches have extended longer where he just looks really clueless and he's really looking at a whole lot of things. Well, it was nice to see it even in game one. I know the results weren't there, but he was at least starting to hammer some balls, hit him hard there. So it, it was good to see that break out at least just from my observations, what the hell do I know? But um, like I said, it feels like in the past that kind of stuff has strung out longer. So hopefully this is the start of a turnaround for Rio on seeing one go over the wall. So uh, White Sox would need one more, though, Steve, and they were able to get it courtesy of our guy Tony on taps, baby boy, Gavin Sheets. Uh, let's talk about the sequence, though, in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, Eloy, who was a little bit of a menace tonight. I know not all of them were hard hit. However, he did have three hits prior to this. Uh, so he draws a walk uh, in the eighth inning and then shrewd move uh tony larissa i mean it was uh, pretty obvious what you needed to do there especially with luis robert on the bench however he pinch runs for him and then gavin sheet steps up delivers that double down the line luis robert able to score from first huge and needed insurance run here yeah um we talk all the time about adding on runs when you have opportunities to do so because that's what needs to happen um this bullpen has not been spotless Granted, they have been throwing the ball better here, I would say, in the last two weeks or so. But this team just plays so many close games that you're just never really comfortable. So when you do have that opportunity to add on a pivotal insurance run, you have to be able to take advantage of it. So to see Gavin go up there in that spot um, and and just get himself into – and work a good at bat. You know, he fouled off a couple of tough pitches in there, and – you know, when he's right, he's like a big lumberjack out there uh, swinging a log and just finding finding a way to find a hole and ultimately score a, a big run. I mean, hitting that thing down the line there, and it took a fortuitous bounce for the Sox, for Robert to be able to score all the way from first base um, in that position there. So that was uh, very important, and that turned out to be a very, very pivotal run. It turned out to be the game-winning run. It was a decisive one because in that uh, bottom of the ninth there, uh, Prado would come through the sack fly. Liam Hendricks a little bit shaky, however, was able to close the door uh, on this one, did end it with a strikeout, I believe. So, uh, you know, a little bit uh, hard-hit balls in front of there. So uh, it was good to have that insurance run, especially in the back of our minds there as White Sox fans. Obviously, insurance on the scoreboard where it most where it is most important there, um, able to lock it down. Uh, White Sox take this one. But, man, uh, I'd be remiss if I just didn't go back and say, God, can we please stop playing these games and just beat the shit out of someone for once, Steve? Well, they had a blowout victory on Sunday, so Mm, that's their their quota for for the next 10 days. Right, yeah. We've got to be prepared for a bunch of nail biters here. Okay, gotcha. All right, that's that's fair. Hey, listen, I I don't make the rules. Right, that's... Right, that's just how the 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 system operates. Uh, the yeah. the twenty twenty two WS system here. So, um, all right, Steve, uh, that about wraps it up here from uh, this 
uh, doubleheader in Kansas City. Uh, bullpen did a solid job for the most part all day. Obviously, we mentioned the Hendricks little hiccups there. Uh, was good to see Mr. Randall Lopez back. And the reason he's back, uh, well, I guess I would have found another way to do it. However, though, with Tim Anderson going to the IL, um, Reynaldo Lopez was a corresponding move there. But let's talk Timmy. Uh, we need to get into this, Steve, extended here. Uh, he's going to have sur- surgery on a torn lim- ligament in his hand. He is out approximately six weeks per the team. Hashtag confirmed. Uh, that is not of the positive variety there, though, Steve. Like you had said, no, he wasn't going all that well um, in terms of power, uh, you know, re- really being the kind of X factor player that he is. But you, when you're in a stretch run chasing a pennant or just chasing a division title, shit, chasing a playoff spot, whatever you want to set the goal here for the Sox readjusted goalposts, losing your starting shortstop is never a positive development. No, it's it's not particularly when you don't really have viable internal options uh, to fill that void. Unlike the last time when TA went down, Danny Mendick isn't here to have a hot stretch to try to pick up the slack and try to carry this team. Um, what's also going to be interesting now is, you know, Larry did not look right in the batter's box in in game two here. Um, he was moving around very gingerly out there. So if he somehow has something going wrong here, we could be in a position where we might see a lot of Lenin Sosa and, you know, I just pure speculation here, but like if it's a scenario where Larry has to go down um, and has to get IL'd, they're going to be in a spot where they might have to just immediately call back up Romy Gonzalez, who literally just got back to Charlotte tonight. So you're really going to be in a very precarious position here with your middle infield. Um, Josh Harrison takes another one off the elbow today. So it's just they, they've got infielders just dropping like flies right now. So how they're able to rearrange all of this furniture here in a very pivotal stretch run that is is coming up. This is going to be, it's going to be, I'm going to be honest, a little scary to see what is going to happen right now. And knowing that Tim isn't going to be back for at least six weeks, anytime it's a hand injury, I personally think that the estimates that are given are a little bit on the conservative side. Um, You just have to hope that everything goes okay with this surgery and, um, because losing Tim for anything more than that six weeks time frame here really could be the death nail in this 2022 season, unfortunately. Yeah, and I want to talk that timeline here because if you're talking about six weeks, um, okay, we are here recording this on the night of Tuesday, August 9th. And I go and I count here one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, that's putting him back. And that's if all goes well. And now you got to consider possible rehab assignment ramping back up. How good does it actually feel there? We're talking, uh, like I said, six weeks, weeks exactly from the day is September 20th. And I know the season is extended a little bit. Those series that were wiped out because of the lockout at the beginning now bump back to the end. So there is a little bit of kind of an extra week there at the end. Um, that may be. Uh, the kind of savior for Tim Anderson if you are going to get him back into any games. And that obviously is implying that this team uh, does uh, make it into those into the postseason there. Um, however, getting there without him is going to be a struggle, Steve. I know you talked about it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, they rearranged the furniture. I like the way you put that there. Um, I would be remiss. I, I know they're not going to do this, but 
in the back of my mind, I thought, I was thinking, would you go to the warehouse for Colston Montgomery? <laughs> um, I would not. I I'm, wouldn't either, but I'm look, just look, I'm, I, we're in the situation. Like you'd said, with all those factors, it made me think about it. Yeah, I, I just think that it's going to be a situation plugging <clears throat> Lenin Sosa onto the 40-man roster um, was for something like this. And knowing that Romy Gonzalez is back playing in Charlotte, I think those are the two guys that they're unfortunately going to have to lean on unless, right. um, you know, if Kenny Williams, you know, gets his man again and just decides, hey, I'm going to take a flyer on Didi Gugorius since the Phillies got rid of him, um, which would not really inspire any confidence because if you go and look at his uh, baseball reference page for the last three years, you're going to vomit. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to warn you in advance. Don't do it. I did it for you. So just trust me on that one. There's just not good options right now. Right. Um, yeah. You know, all because Adam Hazley had to be a fucking idiot and destroy Danny Mendick. Yeah, no, they really, you, know, you go and look back at some things that happened earlier in the summer and that, that really is kind of biting you in the ass right now here. Um, however, um, I think it will be a, a lot of Lenin Sosa and at least um, some returns here tonight look good. So I, I like that. And that, you know, you never, like I said, you, you don't want to lose your starting shortstop. It never bodes well. It's never a good thing. However, um, if there was a time to step up, um, there have been some miraculous things that happen in, in this game of baseball. And who knows? Maybe it's Lenin Sosa time. You know, I'm I'm probably going to get crucified for making this comparison here. But, you know, 2003, a young Miguel Cabrera gets called up at age 19 with the then Florida Marlins and plays a pivotal role in a team that kind of shocked the baseball world and going on to win the world series. So you can see things like that happen. Unheralded guys that were not necessarily on the prospect radar. One of the things I was reading on twatter.com today is people saying that Lenin Sosa isn't really a prospect because he was ranked number 20 on MLB pipeline at the beginning of the season, who um, by the way, they haven't updated their listings at all since the, the beginning of the season. So that's not really a very good measure. The fact of the matter is this is a guy that hit 15 home runs in Birmingham and had over a 900 OPS and Birmingham is where Sox positional prospects typically go to die. So if you put up those numbers in that ballpark in the Southern league, which is historically been a pitcher's league, there's something there because guys don't just go to Birmingham and hit 15 home runs in half a season. That's not how this works. Like that's what guys like Luis Robert and Aloy were doing. Yep. So, you know, hopefully Lenin can, you know, get an opportunity, get some consistent playing time so that he can try to build a rhythm out there. Because I think one of the worst things that can happen is just him sitting for days at a time and then being thrust in against quality major league pitching. Um, I don't think that that's really going to be a good scenario for anyone. So again, we're going to have to just wait and see how all of this gets managed going forward. Right. I guess the, the, the what you can take away from this is it's not an easy task to replace Tim Anderson. And I know uh, there was a portion of the fan base and myself included. I'm just, I, I wanted to see more from Tim Anderson, right? We wanted him to be the X factor last year at this time. Shit. We were talking about the most, one of the most electric games in white Sox history, right? We, we were talking about the field of dreams, walk off and uh, all the swagger and fanfare that came with it. We wanted Tim Anderson to bring that back. 
back and especially down the stretch here for this White Sox. Well, guess what? Um, they got to be made of some stern stuff here uh, if they're going to um, be able to power through that and, you know, at least patch together uh, some sort of replacement, whatever that mix may be. Obviously, Lenin Sosa, Romy Gonzalez, if he does get the call here, um, and then we'll see what happens. Like you'd said, Lurie uh, looked like he was battling something there. Uh, Josh Harrison did get hit uh, in the first game of this doubleheader. So we shall see. Uh, won't be an easy task, but that's what the cards, the White Sox are dealt right now. So uh, they're going to have to play him. Steve, they've got another game coming up. Tomorrow, uh, that'd be Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, just one game on this Wednesday here following a double header. It is Dia de Cueto. Johnny Cueto taking the bump against Chris Bubich for uh, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, man, you got to feel good about Johnny Cueto going to the hill. Anytime John Cueto takes the mound, I, I get the giggles a little bit. Just watching him go out there doing his little shimmy, disrupting the timing of the hitters. He's he's one of the few guys on this team that's actually been really fun to watch this season. And a guy that most of us didn't really have any expectation for coming into the year. And all he does is go out there and put this team in a position to win. Um, he does it with a lot of cunning and guile at this point. It's not the stuff anymore like it was earlier on in his career, but he's a veteran. He just knows how to pitch almost, almost of the Bartolo Cologne ilk where He's just going to find different ways. He's going to he's going to cut it. He's going to sink it. He's going to be around the strike zone the entire time, and he's going to give this team a chance to win a baseball game. I like it. Hey, um, we were talking about Johnny Cueto. He deserved much, much better last time out in that series opener at Texas uh, on that Thursday evening. So, um, boys, if you're listening, someone from the Sox, please. Put up some runs for this guy. Give him some run support. Shit, we'd like that for all of our starters. But, man, uh, when you go and look at Johnny Cueto, I believe he's up to 12 quality starts and he's only made what like 14 15 uh total for this team and his record he's i know records pitching records doesn't mean anything wins and losses we're, we're beyond that we use better uh measures to, to talk about how successful a pitcher is however that is still indicative of if he's having a quality start along with those outings that means he wasn't getting run support that's what i can deduce from those basic standard statistics and that means it's time for the White Sox to score some runs here. Who's going to help them do it, Steve? Pick the click time. Well, you know, Chris Bubich, lefty, going to be on the mound for the Kansas City Royals. I think I think the AV club is going to get together Ooh. tomorrow Ooh. for a little showing of Vaughn Gone Summer. Oh, I like that. that that's a good one there. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You mentioned you got Chris Bubich, a lefty there uh, on the mound. Um, I will go with Eloy Jimenez. Um, guys, Ben, you talk about we've ragged on this offense a lot and they've deserved it. I don't get me wrong. However, lost in that because of the team's overall performance is an Eloy Jimenez hot stretch, which he has only been continuing. So I will be cliche. I will ride the hot hand uh, as I, you know, our guy Tony called for to keep AJ Pollock in the leadoff spot. That was before the Tim Anderson injury. It's going to be there anyway. However, I'll go ride my hot hand. So are you saying that Anthony spoke it into existence? Yeah, I guess he did. I know that's not the circumstances we wanted, but I mean, the end result is that AJ Pollock will be in the leadoff spot for at least the foreseeable future until he cools down here. So um, that's another one too. I mean, I know AJ Pollock uh, didn't have the kind of electric day that he did. Uh, Sunday um, in Texas in that series finale. However, um, he's hot. You got to ride him while he's hot. It's all they can do at this point. 52 games to go. If you're producing, keep it going. Yeah, need someone to do it. So 
All right, uh, that'll about wrap things up here for this edition of Socks on Tap. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to On Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Jump in the comments section, and we can feature them live during the broadcast. OnTapSportsnet.com is your go-to spot for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can go and follow us on social media at Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. We will be back at it tomorrow night after the White Sox hopefully destroy. Kansas City Royals offensive outbreak would be nice. So until next time, Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>